Welcome to the Living Faith Fellowship Conference podcast. The Living Faith Fellowship is a peer network of like-minded churches united under a single biblical authority and one common mission. You're about to hear a message from one of the many conferences hosted by the Living Faith Fellowship every year. We pray it's a blessing. If I could sing like that, that's all I would ever do. <laughs> hey, pastor, how you doing? It is well. And I would just let it, ro- I would just wash you in my beautiful lyrics 24-7. I'd sing my sermons, but uh, you know, not all of us. Are- Man, thank you, brother. That was amazing. Uh, we don't have the air conditioning on. That's not what's happening right now. Uh, the big rooftop unit blew a belt, and so we're, uh, we're praying for a new belt. I hear one's on the way, but this is mission focus. So we're gonna endure hardness as good soldiers. Uh, if your neighbor's whining about the cold, tell them shut up. <laughs> and then snuggle them, right? Just pull them in, love them up. Uh, just like Chris said, if you're cheek to cheek, you're sharing body heat and praise the Lord. So that'll be a good time. <laughs> uh, Father, I, I thank you for Randy and just his willingness to, even in that way, just make an investment in us. Lord, I thank you for my brothers in Africa and Lord, their heart for you, for the gospel of Jesus Christ to be seen, heard, known, realized, and believed on in the hearts of men and women. And uh, Lord, I pray that their example would, through the, the, the efforts of this conference, and Lord, through your work in and through your people, uh, the God that, that would multiply, that more pastors and missionaries and Lord, more churches uh, would come to the concrete conclusion that so help us God, by your grace we're gonna go and we're gonna make disciples in the nations for your glory, you're worthy. And uh, Lord, thank you for allowing us to be a part uh, Father, we have a big subject this morning, as you know, and, and very little time to overview a, a massive chunk of what you've called us to as believers and, and servants. And so, Lord, I just beg your grace and your favor over this time, and, and that, God, you'd take the weakness of my flesh and my stumbling lips, and, Lord, just set all that aside, and, and God, help us just to see and get the vision for ministry uh, that you've called us to. Uh, through your word, and so Lord, be glorified in it all. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So like uh, Chris said, yesterday, Alan focused our fellowship on the centrality and the primacy of worship, our need to be worshipers as a fellowship. And so today, I I wanna just lay out our objectives up front. I wanna direct our focus to how we wanna support as a fellowship local churches uh, in their ministry, in their local church ministry to win, train, and send. And so tomorrow, Jeff will do the same thing for us as a fellowship to develop and support uh, missions in our local churches uh, to support them as a fellowship. Uh, the first objective that we have this morning, and if you, did everybody get a set of notes? If you didn't get a set of notes, uh, Christine, can you let the, the, the connections team know? If you didn't get a set of notes, you can just raise your hand and uh, you can keep it up until somebody gets to you with a set of notes, but, but here's your first set of blanks that you wanna get down. The first objective that we have this morning is to get an overview of the ministry philosophy that we're aiming to support in the Living Faith Fellowship. And so hopefully today we'll fall out to envisioning us in that, but, but to do it in a tactical and practical way. So it ought to be tactical and practical this morning as much as it is philosophical. As a fellowship, what do we want to support? Well, we want to support local churches winning souls, training them up, and sending them out. That's what we want to do, amen? Win, train, and send. We want to support churches to win souls, to be evangelistic, to see souls coming to Christ versus hoping to get them from their neighbor. You know, if you're getting, if if your growth strategy as a local church is to get members from your neighbor, you're probably just going to get goats, not sheep. You wanna win souls, not go after goats. And I know you think I'm mixing my metaphors, but listen, 
winning people to Christ is better than getting them from the next church over because if you're getting them from the next church over, you're probably gonna get a herd of goats that's just looking for better grazing versus birthing your own, right? Birthing true sheep and potential future shepherds. You know, I know some people need to move their membership from dysfunctional churches. I'm not talking about that. I know sometimes life will move a person from point A to point B or they'll need to get to point B because there's something there that they need in terms of their growth or their development or, you know, life will happen to people and they'll change their membership. And I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about as local churches, what is our strategy for growth? And it ought to be winning the lost, amen? We're all agreed on that. We wanna support disciple making and leadership equipping, leadership building within the context of our individual local churches. That ought to be our objective. And so uh, we'll give, you know, the examples that I have to give are from our ministry life here at MBT. And so as I give you some of these examples, don't think that I'm trying to mandate uh, anything in terms of the details of our ministry model in any local church, um, but I, I use them by way of example, and hopefully in terms of the biblical principles that we're talking about, you're gonna see readily how you are adapting those examples in your local church context, or maybe, Lord willing, how you need to adapt some of these examples in the local church context. But here is our basic set of goals at MBT. Go ahead and throw that up on the board. We wanna be a soul winning, soul winning disciple-making, leadership-equipping, sending church. We wanna win souls to Christ, we wanna train them up in the way that they should go, and then we wanna equip them to do the same thing. We wanna equip them to win souls and train them up in the way that they should go. We wanna spiritually train people up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, and, and then those Uh, equipped leaders, they know how to multiply the ministry. Those proven leaders, we wanna send them to see the ministry multiply. And some of them we send right to MBT. Uh, We'll send them to Kidtown. Uh, We'll send them to start a new Sunday fellowship uh, where, you know, these Sunday fellowships that we have, these are just just incubators for people to grow in ministry leadership, uh, to learn how to lead people as much as they are places where people can get accountable with a, with a smaller group of people. Proven leaders we wanna send to multiply, and some of those will be sent across town, some will be sent across the nation, and others will be sent across the globe to reproduce a soul-winning, disciple-making, leadership-equipping, sending church. That ought to be our DNA. And so we wanna do that, we wanna win our own, we wanna train up our own, we wanna put our own to work versus always having to hire people out or import people every time that we have a ministry need. Well, we need a, you know, Eric got mad and left the church. He just said, I can't take this no more, and he just left, and now we need a new worship leader. So what do we do? Well, we go to worshipleader.com, and and we check the one ads, and where are we gonna find a worship? Man, our youth minister got mad. He's tired of dealing with all these kids, and his kids are, he says they're dancing on his last nerve, and and, uh, Jesse Best just finally broke him, and so he's gone, and so where are we gonna? Well, go to youthleaders.com and check the, man, that's a tough way to try to grow your ministry. Train them up, right? The leaders that you wanna, you you wanna train them up, right? The children's ministers, the ministry leaders, the pastors, we're gonna be ordaining Andrew Ong uh, this Wednesday, praise the Lord. Uh, Man, I can't tell you how far back Andrew and I go. And we've been in ministry together for, I can't tell you how many years. I mean, I really can't. It's been a long time. And uh, what, a, what a splendid man of God he has become. What a fruitful man of God he has become. And uh, we're way overdue. But he got trained up here. Now, there's going to always be God-given exceptions. You know, sometimes God's going to lead you to bring somebody in from the outside. But if the ministry's functioning... Biblically, if it's thriving, well, that's gonna be the exception, not the norm. Does that make sense? Because we've trained them up. So let's focus on four fundamentals this morning. We're not gonna be able to get comprehensive in any one area, Uh, but let's focus on four fundamentals. 
before we do that, I want to give you the second objective that I have for us this morning, and that's to recognize that we need the Spirit of God to power the work of God if we're going to obey the Word of God. Right? If the Spirit of God isn't empowering our work, then the Word will never be made reality in our ministry, and so let's just address that need right here, right now. Everything that God calls us to as local churches, everything that God calls you to as his child and his servant, it's beyond your ability to perform in your wisdom, your ability, your might, your good lookingness, your persuade. You can't get anything that God calls you to do done in your ability. You can't give anybody eternal life. You can't conform anybody to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't make them want what's right. You can't make them do what's right. Literally, you are actually powerless to make change in the lives of people, but you can be available and you can get full of faith and you are someone that God can use to make a difference and to make a change in the lives of people, amen? And so everything that God calls me to, it's beyond my ability to perform and so except God work through me, my labor is in vain and so, oh God, I need you. Oh God, except you build the house, we're wasting, right? Our labor is in vain, establish the work of our hands. So the problem that we have in ministry, if we're not fruitful, it's because we're not asking. And so get this down in your notes. Praying churches, we need praying churches led by praying pastors. That's what's required for true fruit-bearing ministries. We have not because we ask not. But oh man, when we ask, can I just tell you, we have a prayer hearing and prayer answering God. He delights. When we call on the Father in submission to his word, when we call on the Lord out of the promises of his word to us, when we pray in faith, God delights to hear our prayer. If we're going to be fruitful, we got to be empowered. You know, here's the, the illustration that we came up with. You know, a farmer can do everything right, and he can work that field perfectly, and he can plant that seed, he can do everything that he needs to do. I mean, he can fertilize, he can do everything, but he's still gotta pray for rain, doesn't he? Because if he doesn't get that rain, right, then he's gonna be a failure. He needs the work of God in order to be fruitful. And so outside of our dependence on God, our our fruitfulness as a ministry is never gonna be sustainable, nor will it propagate to future generations. You know, there's, there's fruit in this generation. Will there be fruit in the next? Well, not if they're not taught to pray. Churches need to call on the Lord. God, we see what you called us to. We see the promises of your word. We, des- we know that you desire for us to be fruitful. You want fruit to abound to our account at the judgment seat of Christ. We see all of that. So God, unless you make it rain... <laughs> unless you pour out your blessing. It's vain labor. I tell our church this all of the time, uh, and I feel like my, maybe I'm gonna wear it out as a mantra, but I, I, I don't know what else to do. I don't know a better way to explain it. I don't wanna be a part of a ministry where we're just holding churches, uh, church services, right? We're just holding services like little kids play house. And uh, you know they play grown up, they play adult, but there's no reality in their life and and the responsibility to train up a family and uh, propagate life into future generations, it's not really there. They're going through the motions, they're going through the forms, but there's no reality. I don't wanna have as a church a form of godliness but no reality. I wanna be a part of a people that are gonna get full of faith and say, God, we see what your word says and look at our desperate condition, look at our desperate need. God, accept you work in and through us. The other thing I tell our church is, is, you know, it pleases God to use weak and foolish things, right? It pleases God to use the weak and the foolish. That way, the only one who gets glory is him. No flesh is going to glory in his presence. And so, oh, God, thank you. I'm qualified for you to use. I am weak and I am foolish. God, except you send the rain, the crops are not going to produce fruit. So we call on the Lord according to the promises of his word, and then God makes his word reality. We have not because we ask not. And so at MBT, this is the way we primarily address this need. Our corporate prayer powers everything that we do. Uh, Everything that we do in ministry, our corporate prayer meeting is the engine that makes this church run. In reality, our Tuesday night prayer ministry services, they're the life of our church. 
I don't, I don't know what that looks like in your local church context, but we want to, as pastors, we, we want to call our people to come together in prayer and in dependence on the Lord because we can't do anything he told us to do in and of our ability, our wisdom, our strength. We need the Spirit. I want to show you the planning board. What I did is I said to, we had a staff retreat this fall, and I said to uh, uh, our MBT family of churches, our, our pastors all met together, and, and I said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to talk about our ministry philosophy, our ministry model, and and, uh, and so this is, this is actually everything that we're gonna be talking about today. And since that looks like spaghetti, even though the penmanship is perfect, isn't it? Uh, Dan Renault was actually working the whiteboard. And, and, and so uh, the penmanship is perfect, but I know that doesn't make any sense, but you can take a photo of that if you want to, and, and you can check that out later. But uh, I've actually got a, a simplified or streamlined version of that at the back of your notes. But uh, we're gonna break this down. I wanna look at these four fundamentals for a, few, a, a fruitful, local church disciple-making ministry. And again, to illustrate it, I'm just gonna tell you what we do, how we're trusting God to engage at MBT, and I pray that'll be an encouragement uh, to you or confirm for you or, or, or kick you in the pants, whatever it means. All right, so number one, we gotta be evangelistic, right? Our churches have to be centered and focused on evangelism. And uh, I know I'm preaching to a pretty, ch- uh, well, actually an incredibly sharp crowd, and so the, the, the passages for these topics, uh, I'm sure they're not going to be new to anyone here, but you see discipleship, a discipleship process, God's plan for spiritual propagation actually laid out when God made man, when he created Adam and Eve and put him in the garden, commissioned him. It's really the philosophy of discipleship. God forms man from the dust of the ground, takes Eve, makes him from her, from her side, and, and we see what he told them. Uh, After he made them, verse 28, Genesis chapter 1, God blessed them and said unto them, be fruitful. And that is the one part of God's word that mankind is absolutely going to fulfill. Because when he said that, be fruitful, he put into Adam the male sex drive, and the rest is history. Uh, We as a species are fruitful. But spiritually, that same thing needs to take place. As believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to be fruitful. And the way that we're fruitful, right, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We have to believe on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, how are we going to believe on the gospel of Jesus Christ unless somebody tells us? Somebody's got to put on their feet. Their feet have to be shod with the gospel, right, the gospel of peace. They they got to be prepared to be able to preach that message. So they got to be sent. That's why we have the focus conference. But here's how we got that gospel. Here's how we got the word of God in Ephesians chapter four and verse 11. The Bible tells us that God gave some apostles and some prophets. That's how we got the word of God and he confirmed it through their ministries, signs and wonders. Oh my goodness, the Jewish people, the Jewish believers authenticated the message of God and and now it's been handed to us. That's how we got the word of God, the apostles and the prophets. But then he gave some evangelists, and that's how the word of God got into your heart. An evangelist opened up the scripture and gave you the gospel of Jesus Christ. So if we're going to be fruitful disciple makers, first of all, we got to go win souls. Amen? We got to win souls. We, got, we must go and preach the gospel. So evangelism, get this down, must be intentional and continual. It must be an intentional and continual focus in our local churches. So here's a key concept that goes with that. In the Living Faith Fellowship, we wanna support churches in keeping their evangelistic fire fueled. We need to keep our evangelistic fire fueled. That's why two of our tracks in this conference are focused on evangelism. Evangelistic methods, if you're a newbie, Uh, If you haven't seen the concept of just Bible study as evangelistic outreach, you want to be right here in this room uh, because we're going to talk about using the Bible as a gospel tract from creation to Christ, from Genesis to Jesus. Uh, Let's invite the lost into Bible study with us. Let's open up the scripture and let's, let's, you know, if, if you've only got five minutes to share the gospel, great, share the gospel in five minutes. But if you can do it in five months, praise the Lord, that's better. Amen. Now they've got a biblical, more comprehensive understanding. And so by the time you get to John, half the people you're in Bible study with, they've already seen the gospel coming and believed on it. You know, it's just an amazing way. You open that Bible and it just opens people up. 
It is the ultimate human can opener. I mean, it will just open you up, take you apart, put you back together. The Word of God is alive. It's powerful. We need to get full of faith that this book is enough to change lives. Just get their eyes on that book and it will transform them. Uh, then we're in the, other, in the other track, we're just talking about what we're doing in our local churches. We're trying to inspire and, 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 and conspire on how to be effective in our evangelism. And they're crowding out in the trailer. And because evangelism is, be, again, it's another thing that's beyond us at MBT. We're not masters of evangelism. Uh, twice a year, we take three weeks of prayer and fasting. As a matter of fact, the, at the conclusion of this conference, we will enter into three weeks of prayer and fasting, and that will primarily be for winning the lost. We're going to basically, like the Graham organization teaches people to do, we're going to make a list of five to ten people that are lost, that our heart is burdened over, and we're going to fast and pray over them, and we're going to trust the Lord to open a door with at least one of them at the conclusion of that three weeks of fasting and prayer, and so help us God by his grace, he's going to use us to lead some, you know, more people to Christ. Uh, we're going to trust the Lord that by spring, we're going to be back in discipleship trouble again. We don't have enough disciplers, you know? That's, that's what, why. Okay, John chapter 15 tells us why. In verse 8, why do we need to pray? Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so shall ye be my disciples. And you guys have heard the mission that God has given us. Christ came to seek and to save that which was lost. Man, we are lost in our sin. We have lost our relationship with God, the image of God. And man, Christ's willingness to come and take our sin to the cross of Calvary and suffer the wrath of the Father in our place. I mean, he gave everything in order for us to be called the sons of God. So shall you be my disciples. That is our mission. So every disciple we get, every disciple that we make, well, we ask for them. That's how we get our disciples at MBT. We pray. <laughs> we fast and we pray, and we trust the Lord to win people to Christ. I, I've got, um, th there's a gentleman that wrote a book, uh, Lee Thomas. Is anybody familiar with this book? Effectively, right? Praying effectively for the lost. Uh, I would highly recommend anybody get this. You can Google it, and the PDFs, people are ripping this guy off left and right. They're posting PDFs all over the internet. I, I thought we might have had another box of these, and, and uh, I'm last minute thinking about it. If I'd have been on my game, I'd have bought uh, a copy for everyone. So since I've just got seven, these will go to the first seven missionaries that want it. We'll just, we'll just place this right here, okay? But uh, in praying effectively for the lost, uh, this guy does an excellent job of showing how to know biblically how to pray for the lost, how to see, how, how to see people delivered from darkness to light, um, asking the Lord. I'll give you a, a little bit of a warning. There's one point that I don't necessarily agree with Pastor Leon. Um, he... He says that you have to bind Satan in order for somebody to be saved. Um, and it is true. You're either in your father in heaven's family spiritually or you're of your father the devil. You're in his family spiritually. And, and if you're gonna rob Satan, right, the strong man has to first be bound so that you can haul his, in this case, his kid off. And so I agree with that. Satan needs to be bound in the life of the believer. There. The God of this world is, unbeliever rather, the God of this world is blinding the minds of those who do not believe. And, and so we need to see Satan bound. We need to see his lies wiped away so that people can see the truth. They can hear it. They can now believe on the light of the gospel. And so I, I agree, Satan needs to be bound so that people can hear. But uh, he's bigger and tougher than me. I'm not going to bind Satan. But I know someone. And uh, he has an army. And if it takes it, I have learned I can call for him to send officers with chains, if that's what it takes, to see somebody set, set free from those blinding lies 
that blinding bondage, right, in order to believe on the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, he's got chains, and he can put cuffs on demons. And so that might be a little too Pentecostal for some of you, but anyway, I don't think you bind Satan, but you can put in that PO, you can put in that request, right? Okay, so it's an excellent book. Everybody ought to read it. Every disciple we make, every disciple we get, we ask for him. But we gotta be intentional, and so we have groups uh, regularly. Our groups hit the streets, and I'm, I'm not against confrontational evangelism. We wanna support that. Uh, so many people come to Christ because somebody just walks up to them and starts engaging them over their eternal soul. We ought to pass out tracks. Uh, we've got, I don't know if we got the other track back in. I don't remember if we printed the other track, but we stole Cold Blaze's track, and uh, we're using that. That's a great track. You can pick a copy of that up in the, uh, in the, uh, in the lobby. I went, I hung out with you guys in Ocala this last year, and I'm like, that is the most amazing track. And so we stole it. Uh, but then our activity, we ought to get organized in terms of our activity. And so Friends of Internationals, right? That's a strategic outreach. Uh, we intentionally build relationships with those who are new to our city with the goal of loving them in Jesus' name. And the inevitable byproduct of that objective is they want to hear what we believe. And we walk right through that open door. We hold events. We'll do movie nights. Um, so we may not be that spiritual of a church based on what we learned about the, you know, maybe some of our legalistic background, but, but we'll hold regular movie nights with the goal of just setting down and eating popcorn and being friends with somebody. And then uh, those movies, you know, we have never shown Iron Man at MBT. There'll be, there'll be a movie with a spiritual message and then we'll, we'll trust the Lord to use that tract to engage in the gospel. Again, events like movie nights, they're, they're just, it's, the objective is just to build relationships for evangelism. But where we're focusing is on Bible study. We want to engage every member in this strategic ministry methodology, and that's creation of Christ through a discovery Bible method. Uh, you, get that, you get the lost eyes on this book, and it will start, God will start speaking to them through it. And if you will use the Bible to give the gospel, you'll be leading people to Christ. It's so exciting now, so regularly, when people get baptized, the testimonies that we'll hear is, you know, Susie uh, at work or Susie at school uh, asked if I'd start a Bible study with her and we started studying the Bible and, and then that's how I got saved and, and, uh, and, and you know, Susie started discipling me and, and we got through the lesson on baptism and I realized I needed to be obedient and follow the Lord. Every time I hear a testimony like that, it's like, how am I gonna preach now? <laughs> I mean, it just, it's awesome. In our churches, let's just use diverse forms of evangelism, but man, let's keep them relational, let's keep them personal. Let's do it on the street, let's use tracts, let's do it in small groups, let's do it in public, let's do it in private, whatever. First Corinthians chapter 9, 22, Paul says, I made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And a church, a local church, doesn't necessarily have to have this many irons in the fire, but the goal is to have ways for everybody to be able to plug into the evangelistic efforts of your local church. Why? Because if you don't have those ways, some people can't do it by themselves or they won't do it by themselves. They're too little, they're too small, they're too weak, they're too scared, and they need a big brother or a big sister to say, hey, come with me. Let's go share the love of Jesus Christ in the lives of the unbelievers, and uh, they'll join with you if you make the opportunities for them to do so. So let's get down this last key on this subject. The highest levels of leadership need to emphasize and model evangelism. You gotta preach evangelism, both as something we must do, but uh, talking to my brothers in the pulpit, we need to regularly preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I know we're expositing all over the book. From Genesis to, man, from Genesis to Revelation, you know you can preach Jesus. You know that you can lead people to Calvary. And so I'm not saying it has to be 100% absolutely 
the, 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 the total sum on the subject of salvation, but you ought to be working, right? We ought to be working the gospel in all the time because that is part of the training of our people to go and do the same. We need to be leading people to be envisioned and full of faith to engage in evangelism themselves. And so we can never be done talking about it and we can never be done supporting it as the activity in our local churches. And that brings us to number two, discipleship. Discipleship. Adam and Eve weren't just told to be fruitful, they were told to multiply. And that's why God gave the church pastors and teachers. And you see in verses 12 through 15, it's so that every member can be equipped as a minister. And the goal is that every member can learn the word of God so they can invest the word of God in their local church context so that the whole church can be edified. Verse 16, um, we've got dates for our discipleship conference. That's the 15th through the 18th of March. So we've got a whole conference on this. And so here's the short version on discipleship. But it goes like this, if you're gonna make a disciple out of somebody, they first have to count the cost. We need to make sure they understand they're not signing up for a program or another Bible study. Uh, A friend know they're getting ready to lay down their life following God, not according to how they feel or think, but according to what the Lord says over their life. They gotta count the cost. And so we formalize that process here at MBT with the cost of discipleship class, and that absolutely has helped us focus our prospective disciples. From the beginning of this process, yeah, I've believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, but am I gonna follow him? Well, what's it take to follow him? It's gonna take everything. You're gonna have to lay down your life, and so taking up your cross is just the beginning, but then we gotta keep envisioning people that they must continually, it's like Brian said last night, daily you're, you're surrendering. Daily you are, you, are, you are back on that altar, a living sacrifice. You have to continually surrender and be purposed as a disciple. And so from COD, uh, once they start the discipleship course, Pastor Morgan will set up regular times of refreshing. We wanna meet with all of the disciples. And so Pastor Morgan, how often do we do that now? Is it twice a year? Two times a year, Pastor Morgan meets with, not the disciplers, he meets with all the disciples to remind them that it's gonna cost everything if you're gonna follow through, if you're gonna be a disciple. Whenever somebody does get through those 18 Bible studies, uh, we throw a mini party in our worship service and they're recognized and, and uh, we give them a little book and a, and, a, and, a, and a piece of paper and you finished, but uh, you know, so there's that little pat on the back, uh, but then it's on to the next thing because what was invested in you, you now have the responsibility to invest in others. So the objective is we don't just get people through 18 lessons, we establish four goals in their life. And what are those four goals? The first one we talked about yesterday. Goal number one is what? Worship. Goal number two is what? Word. Goal number three is what? Local church, right? Goal number four is what? We establish them with us in ministry. They join the team. So it's not just an academic pursuit, but it's a way of life. We're not trying to get people in classrooms. We wanna promote a dynamic, relational dynamic, a dynamic relationship between the discipler and the disciple. It's a father-son, parent-child relationship. They're not just giving them the data, giving them facts, information, knowledge, Paul says that's a problem. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15 says, For though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have you not many fathers? For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. In other words, Paul's saying to his disciples, You're mine. I'm taking responsibility for you. So transfer of life is prioritized over transfer of knowledge only. Why? Because if all you're doing is getting data to your disciple, uh, you're setting them up for failure. 1 Corinthians 8, verse 1 says, Knowledge puffeth up, but charity. Love edifieth, builds them up. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds them up. You know, you can know all the right things, but not be right in how you roll. Uh, You can hold right facts and still be a giant jerk for Jesus, right? You know, the devils believe. They know truth, but they're not submitted to it. They tremble. So you can tell a puffer by the fact that they despise those that don't have their data set. Don't be a puffer. When I started out, I was a big, I was a big fat puffer. I started going to Bible school, it changed my life. Uh, while I was going to Bible school, I was trying to work out 
uh, romantic pursuit with a lifelong childhood friend. She was an adult at that time. <laughs> it's a lifelong childhood <laughs> And uh, I was immature, and I didn't like how she was rolling toward me, and I, I, I didn't have the maturity to talk through it with her, and, and I just stopped calling, like a big fat jerk. I was, I was a moron. I didn't, know what to, I didn't know what else to do. And so I started moving through life, and, and I kept going through Bible school, and, and she got engaged, and she got engaged to a guy that was going to a, a, a respected, a, a respected uh, um, um, seminary somewhere. I don't remember where it was at. And anyway, because we're all lifelong family friends, there was a weekend where her and her fiance came down to our family farm down in Southwest Missouri. And, and I guess he knew that I was in Bible school, some, some backwoods local church Bible Institute. And, and, uh, and he had gone to this respected university. And so he kind of went at me and he, you know, cause I'm the ex-boyfriend. And so he's going to show her that she's getting the better deal anyway. And so he's going after me and I'm like, well, I'm your Huckleberry. And within five minutes, he's so mad he's ready to cry because it's obvious to everybody he doesn't know his Bible from a hole in the ground. And I was just shredding this guy. And he got so mad, rather than cry, he just stormed off. And uh, I remember this, I will remember this for the rest of my life like it was yesterday. My old girlfriend just looked at me and said, why do you have to be such a beep, 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 beep? It's, uh, it's, it's an orifice on your human anatomy, is what she was calling me. <laughs> and then she stormed off. Amen. And I realized it's true. Yeah. I'm a big, giant, beep, 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 beep. Brothers and sisters, don't you know that what God has given us, the data set, the doctrine of God's word that he's given us in the Living Faith Fellowship, don't you know how precious that is? I don't know about you, but it changed my life. And so having what we have in the Living Faith Fellowship, that shouldn't make us despise everybody else. It should make us desperate for those that don't have what we have. We ought to, those that are wise in their own conceits, we ought to be broken over them that they would have the same truths that blessed us. I don't know about you, but the stuff that has been given to me has changed my life, and I want that for others. And so we need to roll in a way that's winsome. We need to approach people. We need to come alongside people and say, hey, can I share something with you that's changed my life? Versus you're a moron, and I want you to know it. <laughs> well, of course they're a moron. Let them figure it out. They will. So we want to support discipleship that produces followers of the word, that love God and love God's people, why? Because as much as discipleship is 18 studies, it's also a life on life investment and outside of love, you're not gonna get it done. If you can't say to that person, my heart yearns on, me, on you and I see your lack, I see your need and I want you to have what God's given me, I wanna share. Be an ambassador, be a fisher, right? Be a reconciler and God will use you. So our discipleship exchange, it's not just transactional, it's transcendent. It's transcendent because it pulls people out of themselves and activates them as agents in Christ and for Christ's kingdom. It moves them beyond building a life for themselves in this world and moves them into a cause that's worth sacrificing everything for. So our desire is to promote parental investment in our disciples. And so here's the key. The highest levels of leadership must emphasize and model discipleship. Just like evangelism, we gotta be talking about it, brothers, all the time. Our leaders need to be talking about it all the time. We need to be modeling it all the time because if it's not a big deal to us, then why would it be a big deal to our churches? Praise the Lord, there's the, the AC's, the heat is back with a vengeance. So there it is. That wasn't the rapture. Some of you, you thought, here we go. That's the uh, HVAC. It's the second Pentecost. There's a sound of a mighty rushing wind. And Miles finally got full of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> because the fourth goal of discipleship is to establish the disciple with us in ministry, and this is critical. We don't have a lot of time, but I want you to get this. We have to have a platform and a plan for training our leaders. So point number three is training. We wanna 
we don't want to just support churches to make, local, you know, to make disciples at a local level. We want to also support them in the production of disciple makers. So here's a few keys for consideration. Your discipleship equipping ministry needs to be clear, right? There ought to be a clarifying component to it. And one of the things that we found is publishing a clear, simple, direct path of growth well, that provides vision. When people can see the tools for equipping, the mechanisms for investment, it gives them a vision for their path of growth. So for us, the way that we lay that out, and you can see it on the west wall in our lobby, uh, you start with the cost of discipleship, then you go through 18 studies with another saying, a mentor, a discipler, and then after that, you start getting equipped to join them in that work through D2. Once you get through D2, we apprentice you and you start learning practically, tactically how to make disciples with a discipler, a proven discipler, and then and you do that while you're getting your Bible down, Genesis to Revelation and LFBI. So we wanna think through our growth track in our local churches and how do we communicate it in a plain, simple way. And the principle is in Habakkuk, Habakkuk chapter two, verse two, you wanna write it so that people can read it and then get to running. So it ought to be clear, but then there ought to be an apprenticing component. Mentorship ought to be very evident in your discipleship philosophy. An apprenticeship eases the disciple into the responsibility of a disciple maker in learning how to disciple others. And so this is something that we've been doing for the last couple of years and it's been a game changer for us. Once they go through D2, how to disciple, the philosophy of discipleship, they start getting the keys to Bible study, then we put them with a proven discipler, a fruitful discipler, and now they're the apprentice, and they start meeting, and so it's two disciplers with that next disciple. And um, the coaching gets very tactical and practical at that point. And we do that because we got a team with those that we're raising up, that's your next point. Pastors have to share their leadership. So as you model discipleship, you gotta relent control, you gotta allow others that are growing the opportunities to lead with you. And their participation with you is part of their training, and so get this down, this is key. In order for the ministry to grow, pastor, you gotta give it away. In order for you to make disciple makers, discipler, you gotta let them disciple. And so that means pastors have to get full of faith, that's your next blank. It's the law of sowing and reaping. You know, if you don't give that grain away to the ground, it won't come back manifold, right? You gotta sow into your growing leaders. And so you gotta let them lead. And it's tough because, well, what if they don't lead right? Let me just tell you, micromanagers fail to effectively reproduce. So I wanna encourage our pastors, right? Get full of faith and let and you know, I mean, they don't know what they're doing and they're gonna make mistakes. Well, welcome to the club. Who did we not describe at that point? And then together, we're gonna to make it. Uh, here, we really focus on principle-based leadership and we've identified nine key ministry principles that we want all of our leaders to know and understand so that as they lead others in ministry, they stay biblically focused and in bounds. The right mentality has to propagate. The biblical philosophy has to multiply as the leaders multiply. So every member of the church is involved in training within their ministry responsibilities, and they're training those that are with them in ministry leadership so that the next generation can take the ministry and multiply it. So again, we're bringing up future generations of ministers, and this enables the sanctification process to produce more able ministers. God is in the business of sanctifying his people, but you want that process to not just produce their devotion to Christ, but also their service to him. And that means you're gonna have to watch and discern their character as they grow. Again, in Ephesians 4, we have pastors and teachers. In order to get the lines on the court of ministry so that the members can engage in the game of ministry with confidence, so that everybody can see when a leader gets out of bounds, and then we can just call foul, we can retrain, and then we can get back into the game. Uh, whenever a leader messes up, you don't fire them, you come alongside them, you encourage them, you correct them, you train them. Uh, now if their heart is to be you know, a nimrod, well then that's another matter. 
But if they're just stupid like you and me, well then praise the Lord, that's somebody that we can work with. And man, that's glory, right? Whenever somebody goes through it and they mess it up and they're behind in the game, but man, they come back, they get full of faith and they start, you know, they're, they're scoring points. That's attractive, man. Nothing like a guy full of faith on fire for the Lord. I mean, that's hot, right girls? Right? You mean girls, you don't, you wanna marry some self-focused future business leader of America? I mean, I would think you'd wanna marry a guy that's on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ, is gonna go out and take some territory for Jesus, man. Okay, so in that, in these last two categories, we've just described here at MBT, literally over two thirds of the people that attend. They're in that equipping process. And you say, well, what about the other third? You're not really hitting on all these cylinders. No, well, we're evangelizing all the time, right? We need new people coming in. The Lord's adding to the church daily, such as should be saved. So that brings us to the last thing, and we'll wrap up here, reproduction. And Jeff will flesh this out for us tomorrow. But the goal of being fruitful, multiplying, is so that the earth will be replenished. And so just like the training phase, leaders, we got to get full of faith. And the goal is you've got to give the ministry away in order for it to multiply. So that has to happen in ministry, the disciple makers. We've got to establish those four goals in the life of our disciples so that we can give that ministry to them. We've got to give it away so that it will multiply. It produces maturity, not just in our ministry, but in the lives of people. It produces servant leaders who are willing, they're humble, they're sacrificial, and they're secure. They know it's not about them. They know that they're investing in people so that they will reach farther and do more because of your investment in them. They're gonna do more than you ever did and that's not a loss or a mark against you. That's not, that's not a mark against your ability. <laughs> Man, if the next pastor of MBT, I'm trusting the Lord to lead a church that wins souls, right, trains, and sends proven leaders. We're gonna trust the Lord to be a multiplying ministry and we'll start, we'll send some missionaries and we'll start some churches. If the next pastor of MBT sends thousands and starts hundreds of churches, I'm not gonna say, well, man, I mean, I'm, I, feel, I feel like I'm, I'm like, I'm like a two-time loser. I mean, what, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be the happiest guy. No, because that means I did my job, right? You want those that you're training up to do more, to go farther, to be full of faith, to step out and be used of God in a mighty way, don't you? That's not, a, would to God that they get 10 times the fruit that God gives you because you know, you're gonna get a cut of that at the judgment seat of Christ, so praise the Lord. So they're full of security in Christ. They're helping now with the shepherding, but it also produces maternity, right? It multiplies ministry. Soul winners are reproduced. Disciplers are churned out, right? People are now investing in people. You've got leaders now in your church producing leaders. People are living out their spiritual gifting in the context of the life and the field of ministry that God's given them, and they're doing what you've done in their life. They're now doing it in the lives of others. And if you're gonna do that, you're gonna to have to hold people accountable, okay? You can't have a ministry where there's no king in Israel and everybody's doing what's right in their own eyes. We have a king, he has given us the rules to play by, the ministry that we're called to, the vision that he's given us is very clear, but we gotta hold people accountable to it. And we gotta do that, again, with love and grace. People that we're training will mess up, and if you go chew them out so that now they're scared to re-engage, you've blown it, right? We do need to correct, we gotta lovingly though, hold people accountable, and we gotta encourage them, we gotta provoke them to move forward in faith, why? Because the goal is the subduing of the earth. And that was what God gave to Adam. I want you to subdue this planet. I want you to be so fruitful and to multiply so many times that the earth is not only replenished, but it's in, subject, it's in subjection. And I know, right? It's for me and my house, uh, our goal is to serve the Lord and we're gonna do it by grace through faith and so help us God by his grace. We're gonna rock this planet for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I know, you know, with the goal of taking the planet for God's glory, 
I know what the Bible says. I know what it reveals. I know we're not going to get it done. But there's no way biblically that we're not to try. Right? I want to I go down. I want to go out trying. <laughs> so help us, God, by your grace, you'll give us the nations. I gave you a chart. We're out of time. We'll need to dismiss so we can get on to our next class, our next track. But uh, here, is the, here is the spaghetti, and I just laid it out in columns like we did um, on the whiteboard. Uh, notice, just let me point out a couple things. In the, once you win them to Christ and they start as a disciple, through the discipling phase, through the training phase, you're actually mentoring them past those 18 lessons, right? So in D2, through LFBI, you're mentoring that leader, that discipler maker, right? But now once they get it, they then join with you. That fourth goal of ministry is really realized at a pastoral level. Uh, men and women, right? They're now investing the word of God into the souls of men in a strategic way. They get it. They understand the goal isn't just for people to come to Christ or just for them to get through 18 lessons, but to equip them so that they are ultimately a disciple maker and a leadership equipper themselves. And so, so that, that process goes, that mentoring process goes all the way through LFBI, but eventually they know what you know and they do what you do and you've got to make room and let them do it with you. And those are now your counselors and your pastors. Those are the shepherds of the flock that you're all leading together for the glory of God. Uh, and so, so, so while mentorship is through those two strategic phases of ministry development, accountability is across the board. I need to be accountable to biblical principles, right? Uh, I need to be held accountable to the biblical principles of ministry. In the discipleship phase, you're teaching, but more than that, you begin tasking them to obey what they know. In the training phase, you're equipping them, you're shaping them, you're, you're, you're outfitting them to do the same thing, but then ultimately, they gotta be sent somewhere. And that ought to be under the leading of the Holy Spirit. We say this here all the time, when the Holy Spirit sends somebody somewhere, he sends a group email, and uh, we'll all get it, and we'll all know what God is doing. Because when people hear from the Lord, and they follow in obedience to the call of the Spirit on their life, when life happens to them and it gets tough, I mean, they're in the trenches, they're working, and they get steamrolled, and they just get tempted to despise and get, get in despair and give up. No, man, they heard from God. And they're not going to stop until the king takes them home, right? I want people to hear from the Lord, and, and that'll be confirmed, however God's sending them, that he'll confirm it through the, 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 the ministry leadership in the local church structure. In the discipleship phase, people need to see that they're needed, and that's why we need to task them with ministry responsibility. Uh, so even before people get through those 18 lessons, they need to see that they're needed in our local church context. We gotta put them to work. Why? Because the work is worth it, and the judgment seat is coming, and it'll be worth it when we see Jesus. Amen? I love you, God bless you. Uh, go give your coffee back, get another cup, and then uh, in 15 minutes we'll be rolling on. We hope this message was a blessing to you. If you're interested in learning more about the Living Faith Fellowship, visit lffellowship.com. God bless.